Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Socially Distanced Podcast. We're here for episode number 30. Uh, these dulcet tones that you hear right now are from me, Bill Bodkin, the editor-in-chief of thepopbreak.com, and I am joined, as always, by a man who's been through the ringer, but he's here, reluctantly, as always, Al Manorino. What's going on, buddy? Uh, hey, Bill. What is going on? Very excited for this one. Uh, yeah, you should be, because we're going to uh, get a damn good cup of coffee, maybe a couple donuts, uh, our favorite log, and we're going to head over to the Black Lodge, because returning to the podcast, because it is the spooky season, and we are talking to the spookiest human being we know, Kelly McGovern is back on the podcast. Kelly, what's up? Hello, everyone. No one could see this, because we do we do record this via video, too. Uh, Kelly literally is just ready to be in a Tim Burton movie, and I am just so happy about it. It's given both Al and I life after pretty horrible days. So, Kelly, it's always awesome to have you. How have you been holding up since we last talked to you? Uh, I feel like the answer is the same as it was back in March and back when <laughs> I was last on this podcast. It is the same old every single day. <laughs> but... It is your favorite month. It is my favorite month. Tell, tell us how this October is. I feel like Halloween is like, maybe this is just me because I have a five-year-old who's really into Halloween right now. But I feel like people are way more into Halloween this year than in years past. So I can absolutely vouch for that because instead of the uh, traditional 31 days of Halloween, I have been partaking in the 61 days of Halloween. We have obliterated September. It does not exist anymore. Oh. It was pre-October. That's how it was. <laughs> can we get a can we get a post-October like leading up to Thanksgiving? That's all November is going to be. Excellent. And Thanksgiving then, is pretty much just Halloween hangover, Thanksgiving, then it's mm-hmm. Christmas. Yeah, yeah, just pre-gaming for Christmas and like getting over that Halloween hangover. That is what it is. Up until like this year, I would say that Thanksgiving doesn't even get a full day because of like stores being open at like two or four o'clock on Thanksgiving. Like as someone who is an avid shopper of Black Friday and misses uh, the good old days, as Lindsey Graham <laughs> would say. Um, wow, you said we weren't getting political on this podcast, Al, but I, now you're quoting miss, Lindsey Graham. <laughs> I miss the good old days of Black Friday is what I'm saying. Um, when the stores would open at like either midnight or 4 a.m. the following day. And yeah, again, uh, Halloween could just take over all of that up until Thanksgiving. Give me like a, like four to six hours of food and then just go right into Christmas. I'm cool with that. Yeah, I mean, Sophie's birthday this year. So I'm like, I'll take a fuller day. But at the same time, it's like Halloween, man. I feel like Labor Day ended and it was everyone's like, who wants to get spooky this year? And everyone's like, you know what? Mm. Fuck it, I'm in. I, guess yeah. I see you, Halloween. Target was like, like September came and Sophie's like, is Target doing Halloween yet? I'm like, we're going <laughs> to find out. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, right. For one of those uh, skeleton uh, throw pillows? No, we got to get one of those skeleton, the, the ones from Home Depot that I throw yeah. under- the, the ones foot. are like 10 foot, like Gundam skeletons. Just line your front yard with them. Oh, man. That would be a great way to fence in hops, my yes. dog, uh, just with like a, like 20 skeleton. I feel yeah. like hops would just go for it, though. I feel like he like, I'm going to just chew on them. 
Oh, yeah, for sure. He destroys 90% of the things in my house. He tried destroying my kneecap one time. Yeah, yeah. Nah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't I, do, I don't blame him. It's, you know, hey, go, go for it, man. It's there. It's a snack. Tasty kneecap. Yeah. He's not a biter. Like, that was very, that was like baby hops. He, I, I think that's just like a dog thing. Like, did they, you know, they nip at your ankles? That's done now, which is strange. No, he just eats things. Now, that's like my dog ate my stairs. Just, he literally just all of a sudden one day came home like, Oh, there's a lot of my Dude, stairs been shooting that's up. That's the thing. Dogs <laughs> love, like, corners. They love, like, eating the corners of, like, rug. I don't know why, because they can just pull it and, like, and then once they see, like, that they can rip it up, then they just start just destroying them. My, my mom had that with our with Valentino, my, uh, my, my mom's dog, and then Hops did that a little bit in our rental, too. Or not rental, but our, uh, our old house. Both dog names are very on brand. Your mom giving it a very Italian name and you giving it a name after beer. Um, yes, correct. Uh, so what, so speaking of the fall, speaking of the season, what, what are you guys, uh, like having for libations tonight? Kelly, you look like you had a delicious cocktail served up. Uh, it's straight up just Johnny Walker and an ice cube, which is funny. Cause when you hold it up Love to it. A, a background and zoom, it didn't even look like you had anything in your hand. And like, like you were Hello. holding a ghost. Wow. The, it, this Glass is my ghost nothing. drink. I, I am drinking pure spirit. <laughs> You're just like, it's gone. <laughs> Kelly is yeah. now magic. It is spooky season. Uh, I was drinking. Uh, but now, but I'm now. just conjuring. <laughs> um, how, but uh, Kelly, what's your go-to drink? You know, alcoholic, non-alcoholic in October. When we started, we started hitting into fall. Um, in October, uh, I really like hot toddies. <laughs> oh, classic. Yeah. It's very comforting, very warm. It's a hot toddy. It's fun to say. It is. It um, is. Al, sure. I know you're a, you're, you know, you're the, you're the beer connoisseur of, of, of yeah. this group. Um, what's your seasonal brew? So I kind of skip over the fall beers uh, the, 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 I, I skip over the, I'm not a big pumpkin spice, uh, in general person, uh, coffee, beer. Um, I just, I'm never a fan. I've had ones that are good. I've had ones that are bad. I just don't go out of my way to have them. I'm a huge fan though of the winter beers. So we get into, you know, porters, lagers. We're starting to get into like the, like the, the winter months, not caring about our bodies season. Uh, that's, that's when I started. It's kind of, yes. But also during Christmas time, which we'll probably talk about during this podcast, my favorite beer of all time is uh, Trogues Mad Elf, Trogues in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Oh, it's amazing. Um, And I love like the barley wines during this time because we're already having big meals anyway. Just might as well just go the extra mile and drink like a 10% beer too. Sure. But yeah, uh, right now I'm drinking a Sour Monkey, uh, which is kind of like a – it's not a seasonal beer. It's like if you like sours – you can drink them all year. It's not something that is summery by any chance because it's 9.5%. Great thing about it, too, is it's in a six-pack, which you don't see usually with a high alcohol percentage beer. Very refreshing. Delicious. Um, it is a sour triple from Victory. Uh, sorry, I said Troves. No, that was for the Mad Elf. Yes. yes. This is Victory Sour Monkey. Uh, I actually don't know. Oh, uh, Downing, Downingtown, Pennsylvania. Yeah. I've had the Golden Monkey. That shit'll yes, put that'll that'll put you on sour. your ass if you've never eaten. If you haven't eaten, I was it was a very fancy dinner. I was bombed. <laughs> so oh, I had no. one of those. I'm like, Arr. 
this is the sour version of the golden monkey and it's a higher percentage than the golden monkey which also when you held that up you were like that did these that did the <laughs> ghost thing so it looked like you were holding up your no. mr robot background um yeah. by the way if you're a mr robot fan go check out the popbreak.com where al interviewed um oscar winner yes. rami malik um not oscar winner christian slater uh and the Future rest of the oscar cast winner. he one day he'll get it one day one day one day listen did he, uh, he gleamed the cube, guys. Come on. Did he win an Emmy for... I know he was nominated. I don't know if he ever won, though. He should have. He definitely oh, was nominated. You know what? That's a good question, because I feel like I'm completely misremembering that. Yeah. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do some uh, half-ass re- research while Bill starts the next topic. Yes. Uh, oh, and I actually have to um, write down... Without a pen, I should matter. Let in. Ah, this is a pen. That our first topic is going to be from seriously what the fuck what the actual fuck there's so many things we could talk about for seriously what the fuck i mean netflix canceling like everything including glow and so many shows being unrenewed uh the world that's happening around us because hey things are terrible but we're not going to get political on this episode we did last episode we apologize for that but this time around, we are going to be talking about, it is uh, still steeped in the real world, obviously, because it'd be weird if I was talking about stuff. This happened in a parallel universe. Um, <laughs> it was announced during, in, um, during a huge business call uh, recently that Disney is reorganizing its company to put a sharper focus on streaming. This was announced by uh, Bob Chappick who became the C- took over for Bob Iger in February as the CEO. Uh, Disney Plus has been doing so great for them. And uh, let's face it, Disney's prop parks have been uh, losing almost averaging a half a billion dollars a loss a month. Uh, California is still not reopened. Florida is still limited capacity. Other mm-hmm. parks around the world are reopened. Um, but he was quoted saying, given the incredible success of Disney Plus and our plans to accelerate our direct-to-customer business, we are strategically positioning our company to more effectively support our growth and increase shareholder value. Um, so, yeah, Disney is going to really be looking towards streaming. I talked about this on, I believe this podcast should be up, uh, the Pop Break TV podcast. They're also going to be, you know, kind of letting the market dictate if uh, certain things are going to go to Disney Plus or be a pay-per-view on Disney Plus or go to theaters because we still don't know what's going to be happening with theaters. Is your dog barking, Al, or are you haunted Sorry. by uh, zero? <laughs> it's a fly. Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, if anyone wants to know, Al is in a murder basement at any yeah. time can be taken by a huge bug. Um, mm. Not the bugs. If you ever from- seen the first season of Stranger Things, that the thing that they fight at the end, I'm pretty sure it like, originated from this basement. Factually, yeah. Uh, um, so Disney moving a lot to streaming now. They also made the announcement that Soul, the uh, the Pixar release, um, that you know obviously was jug- that release date was juggled around a number of times, uh, is going to be released. In- for right now, it's the belief is it will be free on Christmas Day. Um, now, of course, that we've seen the success of Mulan, um, we haven't got the official numbers, but. It was regarded as a big success for Disney Plus, where they were charging $30 for the release. Also, uh, it's no secret that Hamilton garnered huge downloads for the app for them, as well as Beyonce's Black is King uh, got huge 
download numbers for Disney Plus. I remember at one time they were saying they had about 26 million subscribers, um, and it's not even a year yet since Disney Plus has been out. So, Kelly, what is your takeaway from Disney saying, hey, we're really going to focus on streaming? One, in terms of let's talk about the streaming, and then I'll, I'll have a follow-up question for you after that. Uh, so my initial reaction, um, and I think this is coming off of, uh, you know, my favorite indie theater has uh, announced that they will be no more. Um, and then we also got the very sad news that uh, Regal is going to be done as well. Yeah, we talked um, about it on our last podcast, yeah. Yeah, it, um, it really concerns me. Uh, on one hand, I, of course, understand the world is what it is right now. Um, I don't plan on going to any indoor movie theaters uh, unless the protocols are ridiculously strict and safe. And, um, you know, I, I really I understand the state of the world, but I uh, am concerned about looking into the future and folk and really holding out hope for the future of these uh, movie theater experiences because they meant so much to all of us in the past and they really add such a depth to the movie going experience that there's no way, even if you go all out and buy a fancy speaker system and a giant screen TV and, you know, basically renovate your house to become an indoor movie theater, you're never going to replicate that experience of being with strangers. And I, my concern is they're not going to keep that in mind for whenever we break through and we're able to kind of, immerse ourselves in the real world again, like we used to. So that's my biggest concern from this announcement. Well, Al, this is something we've talked about before. What's your, what was your takeaway from uh, your initial takeaway from this? Uh, yeah. We've talked about this a few times on the podcast, whether it was Disney Plus's programming strategy, uh, poor launch, uh, or, you know, the stuff with Mulan. And just streaming in general and how it's kind of uh, taken on this whole new meaning during this time where we can't physically get out to uh, a theater experience. Uh, as someone who on this podcast has been think has said things like, put everything on streaming, <laughs> your yes. audience, your audience is there. I'm also for someone who, you know, I Kelly, I connect with a lot because of our friendship and her you know, just devotion and love of the theater experience. And it is something I do enjoy too. Some of my favorite moments of seeing a movie wasn't just seeing the movie. It was the atmosphere that I was around, like seeing, um, you know, Endgame uh, as the most recent, one of the most recent examples of like seeing Endgame uh, in a live uh, audience in a theater that, you know, seeing those moments with a crowd is unlike anything that you can experience at home. So I will, 100% miss that miss that moment like those moments the thing that uh you know we have to be realistic about what we're dealing with right now we still don't have any sort of vaccine or any timetable for when we're going to get one um, a lot of these studios are um you know hurting because they are um they have you know movies that they've either paid for that they've had to push back or um or are in the middle or, or were in the middle of production for a lot of these films as well. So what can they do during this time? And Disney is someone who's pouring tons of money into original programming for their platform and for the theaters and for different TV networks that they own. So this is the most logical step of helping to recuperate. And it's something we've talked about. My theory would be that 
Disney comes up with a different membership tier and, you know, you pay 40 a month instead of, you know, 10 and you get, you know, one of these movies a month, which would make total sense or even a quarter would still make sense if you really think about it. So I think that's where we're, where we're at now. And I think they're, they're the first ones to go, which is crazy because they're going to be, they're the biggest ones out there setting this president for what, what does everyone else do? What does Warner do next? So it's going to be interesting to see. I think one of the interesting things is with Disney plus, and I think Disney is insulating itself for just in case, you know, cause we keep seeing the models of, you know, different waves coming in. You hear threats of, well, what's the next one to come? Will we be ready for that? And I think, uh, I know that's such a bummer to think about as we're still in the middle of this one, but Disney's saying, okay, we have a plan. We have a platform that, Worst case scenario, well, we could always go to the streaming. We could always go streaming. And and the Disney – I mean, like I said, like at one point they were reporting 26 million subscribers, which is huge numbers compared to a lot of the other stuff that's that's launched so far and has been – you know, Disney Plus I think is one of the better streamers out there because I think, you know, you have that Disney content and they also have a lot of the Fox content and a lot of that has been really good. And they don't have – I don't think – the Mandalorian would have worked as well on terrestrial TV. You know what I mean? It worked well on that streamer. Um, and I think they also haven't done the best job. I mean, you know, for a while after Mando, it was like not a lot coming out on Disney plus. It's like, if you weren't going to the back catalog for kids stuff, you weren't really using it. It was like, okay, here's the movie of the week type deal. I think they realized they have a valuable asset in Disney plus. I think you'll see a Disney plus Disney Plus rate increase coming soon. Uh, not incredibly high, but I think you'll see a rate increase. And this way they they can say, okay, we're just going to keep producing this content. Um, also probably allows them some leeway to maybe jettison some of their properties that they have. Like by je- properties, I mean maybe channels they have. The, so they don't have to produce for them, maybe fold them into the company. And, you know, it's... It's smart business. It really is because they're, I mean, Disney hasn't been around for as long as it has by making bad, like the worst decisions ever. Like they, they are pretty smart. So I guess my next question is, how do you guys think, Kelly, I'll start with you is like, you've touched on this already. How do you think this impacts movie theaters in the long run? Um, I feel like it doesn't look, good i kind of feel like this is the thing because movie theaters had already been struggling to get people and that's just with you know streaming the way it was before this i kind of feel like this is the thing that's going to push it over the edge um and have them be you know not as relevant anymore al what about you I mean, we talked about this last week, but we did. We talked about the, the concept of now um, the, after like a historic government overturning, uh, not government, uh, a court, court ruling, room, court ruling, overturning of, uh, you know, the theaters can't be owned by uh, studios. That's no longer the case anymore. I think when things start looking better, you know, around the world where there is a vaccine and there's uh, cases plummet and people start getting back to some sort of normalcy. 
I think we'll see the reckoning of what is going to happen in the next few months in the sense that uh, everything is going to move to streaming. We just saw uh, just breaking news uh, today um, that uh, Amazon purchased the the rights for uh, Coming to America 2, I believe. Well, it's actually, oh, called, Amazon. It's actually called Coming to America. Coming to the, America. The number sorry. two instead the of The number two. <laughs> yeah. And it was like a crazy like $125 million. Yeah. Like what the movie would have made probably during now instead of what it could have made during like a normal world. So we are seeing that already unfolding. Disney shifting towards, you know, uh, streaming content is just, it's just makes total sense. Right. So I think what we're going to see in a few months is a lot of these theaters starting to be owned by the studios. And that just becomes the place where they can premiere it. And the next day it's on streaming. Like, I think that's the next thing that we're going to see is like the no dependency on theaters. People are going to go to it because they want to see it. But the, it's going to just be like content's going to be made, you know, more readily available. I remember thinking like, oh, man, I just saw this movie and I got to wait like 10 months for it to come on DVD. Remember how quickly that changed where you can own a movie on Blu-ray is like within like two months now. I remember Rise of Skywalker came out like the next month and I was like people didn't see that like that's that's it, the, the the window is shrinking yeah i remember i remember we remember tape too i remember when yeah, yeah. dumb and dumber came yeah. out it was like crazy that it was like out in the summer after it was like a november or december release yeah and i remember i was like can i buy the tape and they're like yeah for a hundred dollars you could buy the tape and i was heartbroken I'm like i just want to own the movie i want to watch it a million times but yeah now that's what we have i think Al, I'm going to expound on what you said because I feel like for Disney, I'll just say in particular, I feel like they're going to buy a movie theater chain and they're going to make Disney theater experiences. I think it'll – they're really going to – like if you've ever been to a Disney park, like they really take – like there's a lot of care put into that and I could see them branding it and you know you're going to have experience – and you know it's going to be like some of the classic animated stuff. You have the new, you know, new Pixar film, the new Marvel film, you know, whatever. And they'll make experiences and they'll make like big events out of we're going to re-release Beauty and the Beast, the animated film, on you know, on in theaters for its whatever anniversary. And you'll get people to go to that. And who knows? They may have characters. They might have all sorts of stuff. They're going to make it an experience for you to pay a premium to go see it again. I think Amazon will get into that for sure and buy a, buy a movie, you know, Warner Media maybe, I don't know, after the HBO Max rollout. It's been a little dicey there. But, you know, you could see that with Amazon. It just sucks because you're going to – the question is where does Neon, where does A24, which, Kelly, I know you're you, – I think you buy merch from them every day. A24. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> and it's like where do they go? Because yeah, you, you don't want to see them be – you know, consumed by kind of like Miramax was owned by Disney. And, and listen, when Disney owned Miramax, hey, Pulp Fiction came out, like they had a great run. They had some great movies, you know, albeit the, you know, terrible owners um, and heads of studio. But, um, but yeah, they, you know, so I think you're going to see that happen. And I, but I also feel like independent houses, you're going to still see them. They're going to struggle, but I think you're going to see them because the, I think the demand will be there. Mm-hmm. Be- because I think there's enough people who are going to be like, I want to see something that isn't a Disney film, that isn't this, that isn't that. 
maybe they're tied in. Maybe they're like an Alamo draft house. Maybe they're tied into a festival, you know, or maybe a company, but like a live nation or something buys like a, a specific theater. You know what I mean? Like in New York or LA or like they buy uh, the one Tarantino or someone like Tarantino buys his own. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you're going to see, st- I think you could see stuff like that. I don't think the movie theater experience is going to go away forever um, for good, but I think it, it's definitely not going to be the Cineplex experience that we have now. Um, so we're talking a lot of the negative. I mean, is there any positives that you guys can see coming out of a move like this for Disney? Kelly, I'll start with you first. Um, well, I mean, their, their, I feel like their reach and their content has certainly grown. Like they have a lot that they can do with what they have now. So, I think in those business relationships and those ties that they formed, um, we could certainly see like a lot of uh, innovative content. And even for Disney, um, I even kind of feel like uh, it's inspiring what they're doing with the Marvel properties. Like that's gotten everyone really excited. Um, like WandaVision, everyone's like Which so looks that. that. Yeah. So, and like, that's that, I feel like that is so um, wildly different from like anything that Disney itself has kind of come out with. So uh, I do see hope that they will cater to different audiences, that it won't necessarily be the watered down content that we were afraid of. Uh, Like when the Marvel content that used to be uh, with Netflix ended up being canceled and we all were devastated by that. I kind of think that they heard that devastation and they're going to run with stuff that might be, you know, more mature content, more um, for different ages and different tastes. So I, I think there's hope there. Well, yeah, I mean, um, Al, correct me if I'm wrong, Modoc is going to Hulu. So, yeah, I mean, I think maybe that's where they're also going to start flexing a little bit too, is they're going to start saying, okay, we're working with all these creative people. I mean, if you look who's, you know, who's worked with Disney, it's the who's who of some of the great minds. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's, we're going to start getting a little bit more on Hulu. You know, they're starting to bit flexing their muscles there, seeing really creative, more edgier content, like you were saying, going there. Um, Al, you know, also as a dad <laughs> with a little with a little Parker, who I've convinced my daughter has the same powers as Jack-Jack from The Incredibles. Um, convincingly, she totally buys into it. Um what do you see as some positives coming out of this? I mean, I mean, you literally experienced right during quarantine when Trolls uh, World Tour came uh, came out. Yeah. Uh, skip basically skip theaters went to streaming. You were someone who rented it twice, I believe. Um, it, yep. It, it's huge for parents. I mean, don't get me wrong. It is. It's huge for like. I mean, Parker can watch basically uh, anything on YouTube and be kind of happy at the moment. Like, yeah, I think those kids these see, days. I can see when, it's true, I can see when kids like start to obsess over a certain thing, like my my godson is uh, obsessing over Marvel superheroes, which is a great thing to hear uh, as a as a mega comic nerd. But I, I, again, it's, it's great for parents who kind of don't have to do the theater experience because I can just see that uh, Doing that with a little one has to be, uh, you know, a form of torture in most places. Um, it's, it can't be. It doesn't seem doesn't seem ideal. It's like going out to dinner, not fun uh, for for the parents. But anyway, 
in terms of positives, uh, I only see just the, 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 the just the collapse of the, the traditional movie theater experience. So that is not necessarily a positive. Obviously, the, the positive here is that the user, us, um, is going to just be gifted with a ton of content that would have been, um, and, you know, an excess amount that we would have had to have spent at some later date, meaning going to see Black Widow or going to see Soul or any of these Disney movies that would have cost us, you know, 20 to $50 to go see it uh, when all is said and done. I think that it's super positive for us. I just, you know, like Kelly, are worried about the smaller studios and even just the, the, the concept of movie making because already it's impossible to make like a $50 million movie. It's so like, there's already, that that's already gone. So what are the ramifications of everything going to streaming? Um, well, are, are the streaming services going to like, you know, the, the Hulu's and the Netflix's and the primes, are they going to be looking for these $10 million movies or potential like old guard, six underground, $200 million movies? What is going to be the thing that gets more subscribers and that for them to be able to raise their rates every year or two without us caring? Well, you, you what you do is you go for the cheaper movies that become huge hits and then you raise it off of that. Those are far and you know, few far and far and between, but you got to take the risk. Uh, as I don't Chris, know, the risk Christie knows best once said, you got to risk it for the biscuit. No, was it that they, it or was that in Practical Jokers? Someone said it, and it's terrible. <laughs> no, I like. I think logically, they'd rather spend a hundred million sure dollars thing. trying to make, yeah, a sure thing than you know ten ten million dollar you know uh, super niche indie movies that are catered to like one specific audience, and then one time out of a million gets mass appeal and gets people to the to you know. The, the actual uh, to wit there but you think about Disney own Miramax Miramax that's what they did but they were the, that was that was them like that was they were the A24 with no neon like like no competition from any other suit it was just Miramax and like no one else right hey, so I mean maybe. Disney fought the best at the time yeah. and that was that so now you have Disney and then everyone else and that's what's scary. That is true. I do think there is still a counterculture there. You know, when we all went to streaming, like vinyl, look how vinyl sales went up. Yeah. Uh, and look, you know, people started doing cassette tapes again. Okay, that wasn't the huge hit home run ever, I think some people thought it was going to be. But I still think, like, we're seeing, I think what this pandemic showed us too is that drive-in movie theaters, people are going to go sure. to that. Like, and I think it'd be yeah. wise if maybe some of these bigger chains start diversifying their portfolios and say, we're going to have an AMC drive-in and yeah. buy a field or an old movie. You know, maybe if that movie theater ain't working anymore, you just knock it down, put up a screen. And for four to six months out of the year, you show movies in a big, that big ass parking lot you had. Yep. Maybe. Yeah. Rooftop uh, movie theaters and like, you know, people doing uh, screenings. Oh, I got a friend who uh, just started throughout this pandemic um, a uh, a backyard, uh, you know, movie viewing company. It's called uh, Onsite Movie Night, and um, he has basically been going up and down the Jersey Shore and doing birthday parties, get-togethers, just 
socially distant gathering, he'll bring the popcorn. Mm. You just tell him how many people are going to be there and he'll screen whatever movie you got a DVD, you got streaming rights or whatever, you know, he'll throw it up there and uh, it'll be a good time. So that's actually what I'm doing for my birthday this year. Yeah. That's the best idea yeah. I've ever heard. Man. I have a backyard projector too. I should just do that. Yeah. You dummy. You should have done that. Like well, I have enough time in my life. Machine. I don't have a popcorn sure. machine. It would be sweet if I did have one. That would be sweet. That was one of the things that I want. Like, so I, I, my last house, I kind of built a man cave movie room, whatever. I was always like thinking of the next thing, but one of like the initial things that I thought of years ago, back when I was like, oh man, when I have a house one day, I was like, when I'm an adult, when I, yeah, it was a popcorn. I always wanted like an old tiny yes. popcorn, like single serve popcorn machine where you had the, the bag and put it all. Where, it was, where you got the little tin, it's like popping. Which you can't see my hand because yeah. it just it disappeared like a ghost. Correct. Yeah. Oh, totally would be all about it. And you have to wear like a vest and a straw hat to serve it. And I'm there. I promise you it will be in the next house. That's that's a guarantee. Until Megan hears this podcast. No, she, no, she no, won't hear it. She never listens. My wife doesn't, she doesn't listen either. <laughs> all right. So that was. I wouldn't. Oh, I mean, I wouldn't either. Uh, I probably don't. Serious, that was seriously what the fuck for this week. Uh, yeah. So Disney, just do it right. We hope. Uh, let's move into our next segment, which is going to be a slice of fried gold. How's that for a slice of fried gold? Yeah, boy! This was one of my best picks of a topic I ever. I think this is one of your best picks. And you know what I'm going to do, Al? Because you picked this, and I was yeah. so proud of you for picking this. Mm -hmm. Also, I really mm -hmm. want to refresh my beverage. Uh, yeah. I'm going to let you introduce what I think is your finest achievement on this podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much. So um, for those who did not know this, because I kind of forgot about it, it's just because um, over the last, I don't know, 15 maybe plus years, there's been this like onslaught of nostalgia and wanting to revive or continue or bring back shows from the past, um, whether they were like 60s and 70s reboots or continuations of like beloved 80s and 90s shows um this one was just like oh really they're gonna do that cool hopefully it lives up to the last one do we need it because the last one was so good that's usually the argument for a lot of things um and you know we we uh, we all bit our tongues when Watchmen came out and like blew our minds um so i'm always like you know give it a shot let's try it out and hopefully they can live up this already looks like it is and uh, i'm burying the lead but the uh, animaniacs are coming back on hulu and uh i didn't think that was necessary until i saw the trailer which looked like a legit blast from the past and it was great because you have all the original uh, original voice actors involved steven spielberg obviously who produced the show back in the 90s and uh it is uh, just to, for people who have not seen it. Um, it starts with the uh, like, I believe I don't think it's the actual original voice actors, but Bill can correct me on that. But it's like a, it's a spoof off Jurassic Park, and they're instead of finding dinosaurs, they're finding the, the Animaniacs. And oh. Spielberg is basically pitching that, yeah, it's uh, it's all the same thing. We're just you know just going to keep making more of it, whatever. And uh, you know, and they name drop Pinky and the Brain, who is also coming back uh, as someone who like grew up on 90s cartoons the animaniacs saturday morning were like like a necessity pinky in the brain 
childhood like that's that's it so seeing them like in their all their glory not dumbed down or changed for a different uh generation is pretty spectacular uh i'll start with uh kelly what did you uh think of this trailer and were you a, an animaniacs fan oh absolutely a- every single yes. time it was on it was just religiously um imitating you know all the different lines and everything um the christmas specials like the christmas movie <sighs> oh my god um and pinky in the brain too that that made me so happy because I just been thinking about Pinky in the Brain a lot. And I don't know if it's a quarantine yeah. thing. <laughs> oh, my but, First of all, can we just, what are we going to do today? Well, the same thing we're doing every day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Think of that. That's true. That's true. Drinking at 4 p.m. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Doing a podcast, getting hammered. Yeah, pretty much. That's right. Um, 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 a, little, a little, wait, a little aside. Yeah. When did they stop doing cartoons within cartoons? Because I really missed that. Yeah. Like, you know, like Cow and Chicken was within Dexter's Lab, right? If I remember yeah. correctly. Yeah, yeah. Like, and then it goes back even further. They, I think, um, Tiny Toon Adventures used to do it. What is it? No, no. You go back even like oh no, 60s, I know. 70s, like um, um, Georgia yeah. the Jungle. Wasn't there like two cartoons within Georgia the Jungle? Well, Looney like Tunes, it was always segmented. Disney stuff was always yeah. segmented. Um, yeah. I mean, SpongeBob is still segmented, but it's not like here is a completely different section no. of Bikini Bottom that we never go to. Like, it's always two different SpongeBob adventures or whatever. I miss cartoons within cartoons. I think we need to bring that back. I, I'm actually and trying start to wrap some sort of rack my brain through cartoons that Sophie watches. And I'm like, they don't do that. No, no. And in a, in a, in a minute you episode were. You're of like, no, 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 no. fucking no. In an episode of Bluey, quite frankly, the greatest show that is currently on television oh, right Kelly, now. You need to get on the Bluey train, man. Bluey. Oh yeah. You're, so I've heard. <laughs> it's, it's just a warm bet. blanket of Australian wonder. Oh, it's yeah. like a Vegemite it's, was edible. It's like if Parks and Rec, the feeling you get watching the show, the warmth, the Shit's Creek kind of blanket that you oh, get, wow. right? Yeah. <laughs> I but need it's, it. For, Injected into my veins. All ages. It's so, not just for, like, us. It's for everyone. Right. Sue and I every basically age. said if Sophie swears off Louie, we're still going to watch every episode ourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's it, happening. I would watch. But, so anyway. You don't see that happening with Bluey. There's no cartoons within cartoons. That's the end of the argument. Let's talk about Animaniacs. Bill, did you know this was coming out? Yes. Or you just like totally forgot about it? No, I knew it was coming out. I just, but it's been one of those things you've heard about for years that Animaniacs was going to come back eventually, sort of, you know, don't worry, it's coming. And you're like, well, when's it coming back? Like, it's like you yeah. keep hearing about it. And, I, dude, I don't remember Animaniacs being a Saturday morning cartoon. I remember it being a daily – was it on Channel 11? Or like, it was WB? You must, yeah. You must have been watching reruns probably at that point. Probably. Right? It was, I believe it was a Saturday it morning It probably cartoon. was. But I, I, I watched I, – I, but it was such an intelligent – like, I'll oh, yeah. never forget the one time they were it stuck in a movie theater uh, – no, no, a video store – and they were like kind of like running through like the different titles and they actually climbed up Jacob's Ladder, which oh, no child will get because <laughs> yeah. it's a really fucked up R-rated movie. But it's yeah. just like 
And the fact this trailer brought Spielberg back, because if people don't know, Amblin Entertainment produced the show. And they always brought Spielberg back as this kind of like, meh, guys, I'm just Hollywood douchebag well, type. It takes, it takes place on, like, yeah, for, I, we're going to go deeper, it takes place on the Warner lot. They were, they were cartoons, they were like rejected cartoons that were hidden in the famed Warner Brothers water tower. And they, yeah. was, uh, they were let out. And it was Wacko, Yakko, and Dot. So they're the Warner yeah. brothers and the Warner <laughs> sister, which I forgot about that part until they said it. And I was like, oh, still my heart. I, you brought it yeah. back. But they always made fun of Spielberg. Always. They yep. always made fun of him and his movies. And it was so great. And like I'm trying to remember all the characters. But you Obviously, Pinky and the Brain is the most famous. But you also had good idea, bad idea with the skeleton guy. Um, you had the the good feathers, which was the three pigeons who were the for good fellas. Yes, yes, with the so Joe Pesci impersonation, good. right? So oh. good! Um, wow, I feel like there were. T- I want that as a. I want them as a T-shirt now. Now that me. you just put that back into my brain, there was always. I want them on a T-shirt Hello? in the style of Goodfellas. Hello, nurse was always the big line. Mm-hmm. I don't remember all the other segments of it, but those were some of the bigger ones. It's like, here's yeah. another good idea, bad idea. And it's just like Mr. Skeleton Head or some Mr. Skeleton Hands or something like that would always do something smart. And then he would always do something that ended up killing him. Um, but yeah, Is dude, it streaming it, on Hulu? Is that why they – do they have the rights to this? Because now I want to fucking watch the whole Well, I was like, I was like wow, thing. missed opportunity for HBO Max – but it's yeah. not, you know, no one can watch HBO Max. So it's like, all right, cool. Uh, let's do it on Hulu. And I'm for it. And the fact they went with Jurassic Park, another Spielberg property. I'm just like, Jesus which, Christ, how perfect is Which is, is currently this? happening with all the original cast. So it's like yeah. a whole other level of like meta nostalgia. Yeah, And that's the whole like, thing. Animaniacs crazy. is a big, for adult. it's a big inside joke. On Hollywood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like from classic Hollywood to today. And I can't wait to see what happened. And I, I was a huge Animaniacs fan for this to come back. It's just like, I don't care if Sophie doesn't watch it. I'm yeah. watching the shit out of this thing. Was it Spielberg? Was Spielberg the old? Because, like, like, again, I haven't watched this in a decade yeah, I mean, plus. Right? Like, was it Spielberg? With the, was he the only one they spoofed? No, no, no. They spoofed a lot of people, but Spielberg was a recurring spoof. Got it. Because I'm thinking of all the people they can spoof now, like between I mean, they like definitely Tarantino spoofed, and Abrams. Oh, they definitely. Oh, J.J. Abrams. I I feel like is going to happen, but they definitely spoofed like Orson Welles, and I think they spoofed Tarantino, Scorsese. I think mm-hmm. they spoofed. Yes. Well, especially Goodfellas. Well, obviously, Goodfellas, of course. But like, I think yeah, Abrams. I think you're right on the money of like the person they would ideally spoof. Yeah. Right. Because I remember even back as like Jimmy Neutron spoofed. Tarantino. That's a little to the point where I think for me. Yeah, I was gonna say like that was like right when I was like not growing out of cartoons and that never happened, but like in the sense of like that was my you know twelve. I was at twelve at that point. Whatever. Kelly's before I got onto such a child. child. (laughs) Yeah, sorry, but I remember like again. I remember that like Tarantino was so. I think right now the thing to spoof would be someone like J.J. Abrams. So yeah, right on the money on that one. I'm excited to see, like, I'm excited to see, do they continue going back to the past and only 
spoofing the stuff that is nostalgic of things that we would have liked back then, right? So more Jurassic Park, more Spielberg, right? Or are they going to be more contemporary of the time? I mean, I think they kind of have to, right? Well, I think they they dipped back into classic Hollywood and they dipped into current Hollywood. I think they'll still do that, but I'm I just I really want to hear. Kelly sauce and Animaniacs, man, because I feel like she's just like, just let me talk, you motherfuckers. <laughs> go, 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 go. All I gotta say is when they did the boingy, 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 holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> did we not all do that? Like, yep. after watching Animaniacs, just... I, I was a little uh, old for it, and I got a lot of shit for it, but yeah. <laughs> boingy, boingy, boingy. <laughs> just everywhere um yeah i'm absolutely thrilled for like this was smart dialogue and just very funny stuff and i mean like al you were saying like i would love to go back and see all the stuff that i didn't understand that i remember like my parents or like my older cousins laughing oh yeah that completely went over my head at the time my one mom, the my mom even liked Animaniacs. She was like, she always loved the dots joke. She's like, want a polka dot? She's like, oh, of course. Or she would say polka dot, and she's like, oh, well, if you insist. And she thought that was the funniest fucking joke on the face of the planet. She still says it, and I'm just like, all right. <laughs> they, yeah. they do these like like lists of like hidden jokes in uh, in like old animated shows. Like if you've probably seen it on like Facebook or whatever, but. One of the most notorious ones is the one where they have prints in uh, – do you want a finger prints? Oh, yeah. Not finger prints, and he's holding prints, fingering <laughs> prints instead of fingerprints. I don't remember yeah. that. Oh, yeah. That's a very famous – like look it up on YouTube. It's a super, super famous one. Do you, uh, you guys remember they also they, – they team with They Might Be Giants a lot too. Mm-hmm. They, did, uh, they did a whole animated thing to Istanbul, not Constantinople. And yeah. then they did the um, – when they would do the map of all the, the countries. And I remember being in the Stone Pony when They Might Be Giants played. And they started playing it. The, it's like the Alphabet of Nations it's called. And they started doing it. And I sat there and I was – my mouth opened. My friends were like, what's wrong? I'm like, this is Animaniacs. This is – I didn't know this was a song. And like you're just like – it was so great. And I, oh, if they do that now, not with They Might Be Giants but like another band. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Oh, it would oh be, man. <laughs> I think Weezer would be the equivalent. They're a little too poppy. It's a little too on the nose. It's a little too obvious. I don't... Yeah. It's a little too obvious. I, I, maybe, maybe... No. No. It would probably have to still be the Mike Giants, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, they're I, still around. I can't still think around. of equivalent. Yeah, I'm thinking of, like, who would be the weird equivalent? And... Oh, oh, it has to be... Okay. I would only say it because of their connection right now uh, with if you're Bob Burgess. Fe- if you're saying Phoenix, I'm going to punch you right in the no, face. No, I wasn't. I was going to say because um, – what's it called? Um, um, uh, the National. The National. Because yeah. like they, they constantly are doing stuff with uh, with uh, Lauren Bacard and, and Bob's Burgers. Um, that makes sense. You know, they do cover versions of songs from – that. Oh, yeah. Awesome. That would be great. But they yeah. might have like an – you know, uh, an NDA or whatever with uh, <laughs> with Bob's Burgers. We don't know, yeah. um, but that that that's my headline too. What, I'm excited, uh, man. Did, have we? Has anyone seen anything about the show? If there's any good, because I can imagine, like, okay, so I'm 38. Kelly, you're in your uh, early 30s, and Al, you're still a baby in your 20s. 
Uh, yeah. I might have made Kelly older than she is. I apologize. No, uh, 32. All right. And uh, I wonder, like, if there's probably a, a line out the door of people in Hollywood who want to act, do vo- voice acting in this. Because this was a huge show. So I could imagine people wanted I, I like, is there any, like, information out there on people who are going to be in it or, or no? No. That's so the thing. That, so- but I'm kind of excited by that. Like, I yeah. want to walk into an episode one day and Ryan Reynolds is just doing a voice. You know what I mean? I'll be like, fuck you. Of course you did a voice. Because right. you're, you're one of us. Yeah. Yeah. It comes out uh, November 20th. Um, Perfect October. timing. So I honestly, I think they can do it, you know, either way. So when, uh, you know, Drunk History, when that was on, they, they made it. They made it so you can, you knew who was coming on that season, right? So, um, or do they even need I, it? They don't. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, I think they're at this point, like, I think because of the, uh, the sheer amount of love that this trailer got, they could be so coy with footage going forward. And this is obviously just made for the trailer. Like this isn't even going to be a clip from, I don't think this is going to be the intro to the show. You know what I mean? I mean, like, if it, it was, could, it I would could. love it if they did a whole Jurassic Park episode. That would be Come great, on. and I think they could. I'm just saying that, like, I think th- they can be super, super, like, secretive with who they may have. And honestly, I think it's better off that they get people to spoof these guys anyway, because that that was a, a great part of the show was getting you know hearing these voice actors do, you know, outlandish impressions of you know, and I, I think that's the, the the goal, and I think people are going to be just drawn to that. I think a lot of people. I think a lot of people in Hollywood are going to be more just fans of the show than people who are going to be on the show. Oh, I'm so happy it's back. It's like there's generations that missed out on this show mm-hmm. and I missed out on this show. And I wish, man, if, if the, if the CW network can say, let's play the Gilmore girls movie from Netflix from three years ago. I'm there's, there has to be some network out there. like, we're going to do a, a full Animaniacs like re air, like cartoon network. Come on. It's in the Warner family. Re-air it. It'll be great. You'll get big numbers. Just do it. So that is our glorious slice of fried gold. Al Manorino, wonderful pick. Just the best thing to come out of New York Comic Con, obviously, was Anime Nicks and my interview with Nick Frost, which you'll see on the pop break later this month. Oh, great plug. Oh, yeah. I interviewed Nick Frost. (laughs) So giddy. So let's start getting into some spooky recommendations. Uh, we're going to change it up a little bit this week because I know Kelly's got a lot of movies and TV shows and she's got a lot of recommendations for Halloween. So Kelly, the floor is yours. This is the watch list. Give us stuff people should be watching that's going to, that you either love during this time or it's just going to scare the shit out of people or both. All right. Well, um, most recently, uh, I, I'm assuming a lot of people subscribe to Shudder. Uh, that is probably the best subscription service for strictly for old school horror, current horror, um, indie stuff, foreign stuff, really whatever your favorite part of the genre is, you're going to find it there. Um, so I've been running on their 61 days of Halloween schedule. Um, that's where they took over September and they completely just added it into October. Um, Smart play. Yeah, for sure. 
Can because... I ask you a question about Shutter? Did you yeah. ever watch Chiller? That channel. Um, you like, know what? It was like a cable version of Shutter, and I always thought it was like, eh, you know, it was never. They never seemed to do great with it. Yeah, I I remember it, and I remember tuning in because I think I really wanted to believe in it. But <laughs> I wanted to believe. I wanted um, to believe. No, it never really did it for me. But yeah, I, I remember that, and I remember just trying to like put it on and pay attention, and just kind of really disregarding whatever happened to be on. So hopefully, I didn't miss anything of value. But it didn't feel the few like times I, I watched it, uh, they were always like the shittiest of the shit. Yeah, it, it, that it felt like the production value was horribly bad to the point where you you couldn't even have fun with how bad it was. Like some mm-hmm. stuff is so bad that it's incredibly campy and fun. Yes, um, that didn't give me those vibes. That really just gave me a. It felt like you were watching a struggle to like gasp for air. <laughs> Eesh. All right. So, what do you got for us? So, um. Most recently, I watched uh, the new Shutter exclusive "Scare Me," uh, that is uh, directed and starring Josh Rubin. Um, we also have my absolute favorite, Aya Cash, who everybody knows from season two of The Boys. Also, yes. one of my favorites, um, "You're the Worst" on FXX. Now streaming, I think all four four seasons on Hulu. Um, everybody check it out. Cause it's like, you, you stand that show harder than any human. Stand that show so hard. I watched, I remember watching the first season and like absolutely loving it. And it's just one of those shows that I could like forgot yeah. to continue, but it's so good. Like it was consistently great. And that was an FX show, correct? It was. Yeah. That was FX. Yeah. They I moved mean, it over to FXX. I think, uh, during season yeah. two or after season two. It was, yeah. I think it was after Every- season two and it was a 30 minute, uh, piece, right? Yeah, uh, just all, over all 30 the I want to say there. like 40. Okay. Yeah, but um, still like super, I feel like the content per each episode makes it feel like an hour long episode. Like you feel like you're getting so much out of everything. The jokes are so funny. A lot of just self-depreciating humor and it tackles a lot of mental illness, depression, um, personality disorders in a way that I found like very um, transparent and comforting and not glossing over, not making it like cutesy or forgetting about it. So it's very dark, but I just, I absolutely loved it. I loved all the characters. Um, so highly recommend You're the Worst on Hulu. <laughs> God, well, don't worry. Awesome. I, I am writing all these down for you. <laughs> That's fantastic. But, but yeah, uh, no, just, to... I stand Aya Cash as well. Just, just throw oh, yeah. my, my hands. My hands up for Aya Cash. I, I heard that finale of The Boys season two was Dude, uh, something else, as they say. I haven't gotten past the first yeah, few episodes so of season two. We can't go into it for me. Oh, <laughs> but I'll or get me there. or me. I, I haven't got the yeah. first the first three episodes of season uh, one. So I had just finished. It's fantastic. Uh, she's great, great. I think she is going to be a legit Emmy threat, like within the next year not not for the boys specifically but just like mm-hmm. she's gonna get to that level where she's gonna just be nominated every year for something completely different and then it's gonna go into movies too i mean she she was already in wolf of wall street like she's already on scorsese's radar so she's mm-hmm. she'll get she's gonna get crazy crazy roles soon yeah she's uh so her composure is probably one of the most 
like fantastic things about her, her ability to deadpan and to not react at all, or even give you the hint of reaction to whatever is going around. Like she is very in control of herself and her mannerisms. So that is absolutely fantastic. And one of the things that I love most about her and, uh, I'll wheel this back to, um, the movie scare me exclusively on shutter. Um, she stars in it and, it is such a creative movie. It's essentially um, two people getting trapped in a cabin and the power goes out. And so they decide to do what we always used to do before technology, which is tell each other scary stories in the dark to try and creep each other out. And whoever tells the scariest story wins. And the use of really one environment sound effects, um, you know, some changes in lighting and maybe a few minimalistic props, they created a whole movie that you are really using the 100% of your imagination to imagine like the scary stories that they're telling each other. It was like, um, it's a horror comedy and it just is so inventive. So I highly recommend that. It sounds like it's almost like a stage play, almost like a one, like a one person show when the person is telling the story. Show. Yeah. Okay. Um. Cool question. Do you know how much Shutter is a month? I'm curious about that. So I got lucky last year. They ran a Halloween promotion where I believe it was forty dollars for a whole year oh. if you signed up during the month of October. So that's already a fantastic rate, but I think they're like four or five dollars a month if you sign up regularly. And I haven't checked now, but I'm going to assume they're running some I sort think, of. Discount. I think AMC Plus is trying to roll some of that content into there too. Mm-hmm. I think. But Kelly, any other like, um, like any other like you know horror things that like obviously that's the most recent thing you saw on Shutter, but like something that's like the old reliable something you go back to during this time of year that you're like. People, this right here. I'm going to put my finger on it saying, this is the shit right here. Um, well, also on Shudder, they have Bram Stoker's Dracula. I haven't got through all of it, I have to say. And really? it's not because it scares me. It's just because mm-hmm. it's always on at like one. And it's a oh, long ass yeah. movie. And I'm like, ah, I'm drunk. I can't finish this movie. It has everything you could ever want in a movie. At all. Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves. <laughs> of course. Thank Keanu. Oh. It, it's just, it is absolutely fantastic. It is like wolves and vampires and like. Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman in so much makeup. So, and so much. Makeup, so much makeup. He, he has so many different looks throughout that entire movie. The costumes are fantastic. The budget in this movie is like absolutely ridiculous because it's like Francis Ford Coppola and he's just like, let me just do what I want, do what I want. And they said, okay. And they let him do what he wanted. So there's like a, like a hedge maze where like Winona Ryder and like her friend are like running around and then they end up like kissing for a second. So there's like girl on girl kissing. There's boobies. Like, I, it's just... <laughs> Which is never a requirement for me since I've been 14 to watch a movie. But thank you for bringing that up. It is Love whatever it. you want. Whatever anyone uh, wants. 
What's I'm so glad that I'm yeah. so glad a, a representative from Mr. Skin can join us on the podcast this week. You know, Mr. Skin, I do the you know obviously the Paul Rudd line from <laughs> <laughs> from knocked up. Wasn't there's someone famous in the scene where uh, Keanu is seduced? But there's like three women who seduce Keanu. Uh, there's someone famous in that scene. It was one of the women. I can never. I, was it Catherine? I don't think it was Catherine Zeta Jones, but there's someone of renown in that scene i know who you're talking about and the name completely um i i think i know who it is but i'm double yeah. checking yeah for me oh wait i'm thinking of a different movie you're good never mind hold on I... it, it was it was also a vampire movie starring a big actor of the time it was Mon- not the same person monica bellucci was one of the people in the film was not gonna guess that uh, hold on. I was thinking Kirsten Dunst from Interview with a Vamp, uh, Interview with a Vampire. Yeah. Yes, which is another, so, which is a just a wild movie. I, again, oh, yeah. I was thinking another like <laughs> vampire, very different, very different character very different, and scene. Yeah. Oh, and you, another one where like you look at the casting and you think like Tom Cruise can't be a vampire but tom cruise was a vampire like it, it like he did a really good job in that role and that was supposed to be well sadly that you know christian slater plays the writer in that film he was supposed to be river phoenix yeah and I, oh. yeah right. and it would and then that's i think the first time we saw antonio we really saw antonio ben oh no we saw him in philadelphia antonio banderas you got stephen ray you've got uh, yeah. brad pitt uh so many good people in that film yeah that was a fantastic cast oh and it's a it's a very messed up movie. They're always yes. talking about like we're gonna make another one with Tom Cruise, and it just never kind of happens. Yeah. Um, Kelly, I mean these picks. So we're talking Brand Stroker's Dracula. You're the worst. Scare me. Let's go for even numbers. I'm an even guy. One more film or TV recommendation you will give us for the spooky season. One more film or TV recommendation. Let's see. Um, I mean, there's one we could all talk about right now. It's your background, but like, <laughs> but like, well, I I mean, if if anyone hasn't gotten into Twin Peaks, or if anyone like really just needs to like remember a time when there was joy, maybe go watch Twin Peaks. Now, here's um, my question: We all watched it around the same time. I think we did. Yeah. Because I watched it, you, Al, you watched it, and I think, Kelly, did you watch it right around the same time me and Al were watching it? Like, a few yeah, years ago. you told me you were watching it, so then I just started watching it. Yeah. Now, I don't know what your opinion on the third season is, but I, uh, so, okay, let me ask you that question. What's your opinion on the third season that aired on Showtime a few years ago? I absolutely loved it i know a lot of people had issues with the fact that um they felt that it meandered they hated that dale cooper was really gone for (laughs) all of it it was funny dougie was funny the best come on dougie like gave us all the moments like he really an incredible father at times he was absolutely incredible um, I thought it, I had such a great time. And then, like, we also got that, like, ridiculous, uh, apocalypse, like, uh, explosion episode that was everything that I think David Lynch ever wanted to do within an hour. It was explosion. like, yeah. we all it was dropped acid. Like, it really. Yeah. It was like, 
the like a college film final project like like to the like max like it was yeah. the art house film to end out the end art house film was this episode of television that literally like ended with a cricket going in someone's mouth or a lizard and yes. but it's so funny because like i i think i feel like we all Not watch like. this and it's just like i was like ah, i didn't I, I didn't love it as much as the first two but i could tell you everything about that goddamn nuclear explosion episode because it was so weird and so memorable, and there's so much stuff in it. To me, though, as as wild and creative as that was, those first two seasons that aired on ABC, which still blows my mind, it was on ABC of all channels. Yeah, that's like, that's like Watchmen airing on Fox. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it really is. Or Hannibal on NBC. It makes yeah. zero sense. No sense. Oh, so yeah, yeah, absolutely incredible television oh yeah i just like just i was like we should just all have a moment of silence for adrian dale cooper well it's funny too because you 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 asked kelly like did she like like the third season i feel like i'm kind of with every other fan in the sense of like um i'm in the middle like i liked it obviously i think there was some meandering or and and long spots of just unnecessariness a little but, masturbatory in my opinion a little times. bit but, <laughs> but hey david lynch you could you, you have it you I can do it say that i will never trade sitting through those 16 or 17 and a half episodes to get to that one moment of just pure joy that like I would never trade that doing, you know, watching that week after week after week after week led to that moment. When that music was, came on. I mean, like you guys like, got to refresh again. my memory on that moment because it's a lot. Okay. Happened. I'll say, okay. I'll say spoiler alerts. Spoiler right alert for season, peak season three. Season three. Okay. Big, big gap of silence. One, two, three, four, five. Great. When he wakes up and becomes agent Dale Cooper again. Okay. Yeah, and you're and again kelly says the music sweeps in and he just gets back to like 20 30 years whatever it never happened like it was just boom and he on, on a t becomes that that just like I, what i said like that like that comfort food right like you just oh, get yeah. back to that place of seeing him in that role and it's just like my god i don't give a shit about anything just happened before i'm here i made it this is what I wanted from the start. And he knew that. Like yeah, he, he did. Knew oh, that. he totally knew that. Did. He, he knew totally that we were on did. this nostalgia train. And as I mentioned earlier, like this, this just like, we want everything that we love back. Star Wars, Star Trek, like, like, let's do it. Flipping tables and shit. Like he knew that. Like and he's like, Oh week. yeah, I'll get, oh, I'll give you, I'll give you Twin Peaks. I'll give you everything you ever wanted. You're going to have to wait though. I mean, he and did give he, us Michael Sarah as uh, what's his face? Oh man, oh, yeah, oh. The kid. <laughs> as Brando, something Brando. Oh, it's, yeah. it's uh, Wally, Wally Brando. Brando. Wally Brando. Wally. Oh, that was great. I remember they were. That was one Someone of the first things they him. ever showed was like a screenshot of him, and I remember. I think I messaged both of you. I was like, guys, 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 <laughs> like this, this is <laughs> happening. But like, yeah. it's so funny to go back to a show like Twin Peaks. It's so weird. And it's so different. And you would think a show from 1990 that George, the president of the United States, uh, George Bush, supposedly there's a story that George Bush at the time wanted to know who killed Laura Palmer. 
I was like calling David, like trying to inquire with David Lynch, be like, please tell me. He's like, nope. And like, it's like that show, you could watch it now. And we both watched it probably around, well, all three of us watched it around 2000, I want to say 17, just say for argument's sake. And it was still so cutting edge and so relevant and so creative. Because, you know, you hear about these like films or movies, it's like, oh, it was so ahead of its time. And then you watch it, you're like, well, it's kind of past its prime now. But yeah, this, mm-hmm. if you've never watched Twin Peaks, my God, it yeah. just changed your life. It, it's wonderfully bizarre and amazing. It's like a sci-fi and horror and a teenage soap opera and it change your, it'll change your life. It's so good. I think like, like Citizen Kane and Back to the Future, I think it's so timeless because it's like, oh, everything you ever loved was because of this show. Yeah. This was the inspiration for those things. So like, oh, you love this crime movie? Well, it's because of Tarantino movies and it's because Tarantino loved these movies, right? So all the cutting edge, like, ways of the, the, that he introduced characters and storytelling and storylines and, and randomness and creepiness that has, like, infiltrated his work is, like, that's what inspired 20, 30 years of storytelling after that, right? So that's why we can constantly go back to that first season of Twin Peaks and just be in awe. That's why I tell people, like, I I love the first season of Heroes. I felt like that was such a groundbreaking show that season just because of, of their story structure, their influence on comic books. Like, that's something I revere, like Twin Peaks is revered and should be. It doesn't age because it set the, the tone and the bar for everything that came after it. Yeah, I look at. I'm also waiting for Kelly to pick up a log at one point just to mess with us, and be like, "Hey guys, it's so sad yeah. when she passed." Oh, wait, 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 wait. There we go. Oh my god! You Come just. On. Oh my god! No, you, so we're on video and what happened it? when kelly pushed that towards the camera is kelly completely disappeared and it was just the black lodge and it was just the curtains i got scared yeah. for a second yep but i see it now and no don't don't go too close to the camera because now you're now you're a ghost now you're a ghost there you go you're good i see it That's- Come on. all right i'm a ghost again sorry <laughs> i see it no i see it it's great it's it just freaking me out. it's freaking me out just a little bit That's great. <laughs> It was so. It was. It was almost too perfect that you pushed it up to the screen, and then all of a sudden you're like, "There's no Kelly. There's no postcard. There's nothing." I was just like somewhere. David Lynch was like, "This is the way I wanted this podcast to go." Um, Al, what is your recommendation for this week? Right before he records his daily weather update, from which California. is so great. Why yeah. haven't we talked about that on this podcast? Oh no, does it happens every day? Yeah, pretty um, much. Anyway. Um, I'll be super quick with mine, mostly because I don't want to go into any spoilers for it, because it's one of those uh, things that you should go in blind. Like, don't even watch a trailer for it, but, like, my favorite movie of all time is uh, Shaun of the Dead. And I'm not saying go watch Shaun of the Dead, because if you haven't watched Shaun of the Dead yet, you shouldn't exist as a human. I'm saying that if you like Shaun of the Dead and you like horror comedies, because I'm not a big horror guy, I'm starting to get, I started to dip my toe in 
um, I started to dip my toe in the horror realm, but I'm like more in the thriller, I guess, aspects like the get outs and the conjurings. I can't get I thought into you meant like, Michael Jackson, but okay. Oh, yeah, no. Thriller, the album from the 80s. Yeah, no. A great um, song for Halloween, though. That's true. 100%. I am in the, like, I can barely muster those movies. So, like, I need to be in the horror comedy, something that is poking fun at the genre and being also, like, laugh out loud funny. Shaun of the Dead is my staple for that. And again, one of my favorite movies of all time. I'm saying if you like that movie and want to stay in that horror comedy route, um, my pick is Tucker and Dale vs. Evil. Yes. It is, um, again, I don't want to spoil anything. Um, just go find Tucker and Dale vs. Evil on streaming. Don't watch any trailers. Don't go into it because they're all spoiler filled. Go into it blind. It is a horror comedy. That's all I can tell you. Um, uh, Tyler Labine, Alan Tudyk are the stars. They're amazing. If you like slasher movies, if you're a big like Friday the 13th, you know, a Nightmare on Elm Street, those kind of movies, but also a fan of like something like The Cabin in the Woods and Tron of the Dead, you're going to thoroughly enjoy this movie. Uh, my wife does not care. I don't think for like Shaun of the Dead, but she loves this movie. So it's strange, but oh, again, it's uh, go watch it for Kelly, have you seen that? No, I have not. Oh my God. Like you would love yeah. this movie. Tonight. Yeah. Don't sleep. You're going to watch this movie. You have to watch Tucker and Dale vs. Evil. Politics okay. doesn't matter, Kelly. Where's it streaming? I'm going to say, I remember watching it on Netflix. I'll put the check for you while uh, Bill does his thing. Yeah. All right. So, my thing is something very uh, cogent to Kelly's life is I'm going to talk about The Haunting of Bly Manor and I'm going to talk about it in the most spoiler free ways since it's fresh and new to Netflix. Okay, so this is the spiritual successor to. Mike Flanagan's insanely popular uh, Haunting of Hill House, which aired on Netflix in 2018. This is a, uh, a story about a young American uh, educator played by Victoria Progetti, who played Nell in Haunting of Hill House, uh, who has taken on the job of au pair of two children who live on Bly Manor. Now, this au pair is, you know, haunted figuratively and maybe literally by her past, and she walks into this very, as yeah, Mike Flanagan feature would, haunted house where a lot of spooky shit happens. Now, one thing that has happened since the release of this film, uh, sorry, this series, is that a lot of people, it's very divisive, a lot of people are like, it's slow, it sucks, blah. This is Unlike The Haunting of Hill House, which was adapted from the works that you've seen stuff from, like The Haunting with Liam Neeson and Owen Wilson and Catherine Zeta-Jones, that mess of a late 90s film that made a buttload of money. It's so bad. It was terrible. But, like, kind of enjoyable, but really shit. Absolutely. Uh, It's like... Who is the other person that? Who is the one that? Oh, I just blanked on her name. Lily Taylor's in that, and I'm like, yeah. I'm like, you got a good paycheck off of that, and you're the only person who's acting in this film. Uh, go check her out in Perry Mason. She was very good. Uh, yes. But this is a lot of people are like, uh, it's not like Hill House. So this is basically it's based off Henry James' uh, Turn of the Screw, and it's very much uh, patterned after a gothic horror, gothic romance type of novel so it's slow 
It's methodical. It unfolds. There are still some really good scares in this film. There is so much good acting in this film. Um, and I'm just going to just pull up the acting cast real quick because, you know, sometimes I forget stuff because I've been uh, drinking. Uh, but, yes. So, Victoria Pedretti, obviously great. Oliver Jackson Cohen, who was in Haunting of Hill House. And to quote our former T- Popper's former TV editor, Matt Taylor, uh, in that in that series played the hottest heroin act he's ever seen, um, who also starred in Invisible Man with Elizabeth Moss, just absolutely dominates. This is a star-making performance. People are just in love with it. He has a thick Scottish brogue that is just making people melt. But he has amazing parts in this. Um, I'm also going to give a shout-out to, just I'm going to pull up the full cast here, Tania Miller, who uh, was on an HBO series recently, I think called Years and Years. Amazing in this. Um, you're going to see some of those Mike Flanagan regulars, like a Henry Thomas, like a Carla Gugino. Not spoilers. There are some cast members who show up from Hill House and other films he's done, which I'm not going to spoil. But this is a tremendous cast. It's a greatly acted piece. There's a lot of um, a lot of exploration of trauma, like in Hill House, but also like isolation and ghosts. And it's a very different experience from Hill House. So if you're expecting those thrill a minute, oh my God, moments that you had in Hill House, that's probably not going to be there. But if you go in with that tempered expectation of this is going to be a different experience, you're really going to enjoy this series. It's, I cannot recommend it enough. Uh, if you love it's it's very much more akin to Dr. Sleep and how that was scary as opposed to Hill House. So I highly recommend The Haunting of Bly Manor, currently streaming on Netflix. Um, that is my pick, spooky pick for this week. Did you mention that the little girl in that is also the current voice it's of Peppa, Peppa Pig? Pig? Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is if you watch the series and then you find out that fact, it's really creepy. That's crazy. <laughs> it's, uh, she only just started uh, voicing Peppa Pig. Yes. The current voice, 13 episodes. Yes, because they, this year they uh, they changed up the voice acting. Sophie is no longer a Peppa Pig fan, but oh, it's so good, bro. I wish he, I wish Parker liked it more. I love it. It's good. Yeah, after a while, Snow Bluey, Snow Bluey. It's Snow Bluey, but yeah, Kelly. I'm telling you, haunting a Bly Manor. Get a blanket. Get a a fine glass of a hot toddy. You're in for a treat. I think you'd love this. Okay. Did you like? I was saying, you know what someone I, compared this to? Did you like Crimson Peak? Oh, loved Crimson Peak. There you go. Fantastic. All right. I'm all in. Yeah. You know why? Oh, yes. And I referenced you on that episode because Super Yaki was posting it. They have all the Crimson Peak um, yeah. st- like gear. So I'm what like, oh, there you go. Sweatshirt that says Crimson Peak was good. Yes. It so was. I watched part of it and it's very good. It creeped me out a little too much. Uh, and, I, and again, that was a one o'clock in the morning Bill Strong thing. Nothing I ever beat coming back from a pop break show wasted and watching Annihilation scared. Uh, mm. Yeah, that was bad. That was a lot, that was a lot guys. But I, I watched that ready on a plane ride from, let me get this right, I think Paris to Rome. 
Ooh. Oh, no. Rome might have been Rome to Ireland. It was like, I think it was on the way back because what happened was Netflix had the streaming rights for it, but overseas. So I was able to watch it right. on a plane ride overseas when That's we right. went it came on, out like, in Netflix trip. in Europe. That's right. It did. Yeah. So yeah, it was, was great because I was able to download it and then watch it offline. And then by the time I got to the next country, it wasn't available there. Didn't you try to shoot a show? Was it Greta Van Fleet you were trying to shoot in I Rome? We I almost, did try, but we I almost see, got it. We almost got it. I did. I did see Greta Van Fleet though while in Paris, like like about two months before they just blew the fuck up, like crazy blew up. There we go, and that's a nice segue into music in a time of quarantine, the spooky edition, um, <laughs> if that exists. So, Kelly, this is obviously you've been on the podcast. This is a uh, song, an album, a band that you're uh, totally vibing on during the month of October. During the month of October. Or in general. Y'all, I got to tell you, last time I was on this podcast, I was listening to Phoebe Bridgers' Punisher. Nice. And I'm um, back on Phoebe Bridgers' Punisher after somewhat of a brief break. She has a song called Halloween on that album, thus making the entire album a Halloween album. So, again, Phoebe Bridgers' Punisher. Uh, what is it, besides the title, what is it about the song that you're digging? Um, I really like it because it kind of brings the uh social anxiety and like the paranoia of just like being a person in the world and being accepted by who you are so like during halloween like you could be whatever you want like you could like drink and put on a mask and whoever you're with is gonna just accept that because everyone's like open and loving and like halloween is just the time to like be whatever you want so that's that's what that song represents to me it really represents you know, sometimes you can't, you feel like you can't be who you are until those times when you're like pretending to be someone else, but then you really open up and like everybody just embraces you anyway. It's weird because I've been a shark for the last five years, so I don't know what that says about me, but I agree <laughs> with that statement very much so. I embrace you, Shark Bill. <laughs> yeah. People are like, oh, you're daddy shark. And I'm like, no, I bought this thing for five bucks from Target. Before that song even happened, but oh, I'll take it. Al, uh, I mean, I'm sure it's Phoenix, but like, what's your song for this week? Oh man, I'm gonna I'm gonna go really original with this one. I'm gonna pick Phoebe Bridgers, and I'm gonna pick I Know the End um, from Phoebe Bridgers, and here's why. And it's, I'm gonna go complete opposite from Kelly's explanation in terms of her connecting with the lyrics and you know being just you know. Striking up an emotion via the, the song itself. So you're going to give why. a dumb answer instead of a smart Here's one. the dumb answer. Um, we're at like, what, month 10? No, month, uh, yeah. month 8. Month 8, well, we're month 10. Of the 7, year. we're month, month 7. 7 of quarantine. As someone who misses concerts, like, to a, like, a degree that cannot be described, um, her performance... On, I believe it was Seth Meyers of I Know the End was 
groundbreaking in terms of dealing with music in a time of quarantine and being able to deliver music on that level that we cannot experience right now, live music. Her video for I Know the End, how well it was shot and the emotions that just thinking about it now and talking about it now are bringing to me are on a completely different level. So yes, the song is great. Yes, the album is amazing, as described uh, wonderfully by Kelly. But if you want an, an absolute treat for your eyes, your heart, and your and your brain, you have to check out the video for I Know the End. Uh, just check it out on YouTube. I believe she performed it, uh, you know, quote unquote, on Seth Meyers, but it's recorded. Uh, again, hard to not spoil it, but in uh, an empty theater where you would normally see a live concert. And wow. It was uh, almost brought me to tears how, how fantastic and well done and cathartic it was, and at the same time, just super depressing how it is. Uh, but yeah, I would check that out. So that's uh, the first ever same selection on the podcast. That is the first ever, and you know Phoebe Bridgers, we we stand her on this yep. on this site. You know she she was kind enough to do an interview with us that former guest Christian Bischoff did. When she was playing the Asbury Lanes, I can never imagine her playing a venue that small again. Not no no shade to the Asbury Lanes. It's 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 rad, but I mean like come on, she's Phoebe Bridgers now. Um, yeah. I am gonna go with something completely different. Uh, I'm gonna go with a uh, a song called Haunted Sea, and it's by the Budos band. I might have talked about Budos before on this podcast. They're a jam band. In the vaguest sense of the word, they're probably categorized under that. They're an instrumental band. This is kind of like if you like instrumental bands who would be scoring a noir, a thriller, a horror movie. Maybe not super terrifying horror movie, but like just a really like kind of cool horror film. Like they have this bass and this groove to them. That just is kind of unnerving in some respects, but kind of like super cool at the same time. It's they've always had this kind of dark, macabre sense to them, in my opinion. I know people who have managed them and work with them who'll be like, You're completely off base. But for me, a haunted sea is just like it definitely feels like you're if you close your eyes and listen to the song, you're imagining a dark lit beach, a spooky lighthouse, and it's October and you're feeling the chill in the air. It's really there and it's a very cool song. It's a very cool instrumental. Budos is totally instrumental. So, yeah, if you're into jam or if you're into instrumental, Budos band, Haunted Sea, um, definitely something you should be checking out. I, I love this band. It's great if you're the type of person who has to do work and you're you, like, if you're listening to songs and like lyrics kind of interrupt your train of thought and you just need driving music to listen to. Uh, it's that. Also, if you just like spooky shit in the middle of the night, Rose Band's pretty good. So let's move on to our final segment, uh, which is going to be a glimmer of hope. Glimmer of Hope! Oh boy, oh boy. Glimmer of Hope this week is a movie Al has just championed for years. 
I believe when the film came out, it was ranked as the number one film of that year by the site and many other people. It was an Oscar-nominated film. Mad Max Fury Road, the uh, sequel. Oh, oh I sorry, the prequel. Furiosa is come is going to happen. George Miller, I believe, is attached to this, and it was announced of the cast. And Anna Joy Taylor announced as the uh, young Furiosa that, that was originally played by Charlize Theron. Um, we also have other cast cast uh, announcements including Chris Hemsworth. You might have seen him in a couple films before. And also Yahi Abdul-Mateen II, who was absolutely brilliant in Watchmen. And if you haven't watched HBO's Watchmen yet, change your life. It is an amazing series that we have talked about on the show before. Guys, uh, first, Kelly, I'm going to start with you. Let's talk about your relationship with Mad Max Fury Road, your opinions on this, and then... Your thoughts on the casting for of especially Anna Joy Taylor as uh, the uh, young Furiosa. So Mad Max, in and of itself, I think is such a relevant film for this day and age. And like, I feel like I I've said that, and I've had this conversation with so many different people over the last couple of years with um, just. Uh, everything that's going on in the world, it, um, it has such a strong, uh, it, it is a battle cry, I think, um, for anyone who feels marginalized, who feels like they're being, um, you know, crushed under the weight of, um, you know, this establishment or the government or, you know, what, whatever might be holding them back from leaving their, living their lives freely. Um, <laughs> So I, I feel like this movie really champions, um, you know, an uprising in a sense and a a fighting for what you believe in, a fighting for freedom and a, you know, fighting for the rights of others who can't fight for themselves. So, um, I have to say though, I, I saw it in theaters and then I watched it once in, I think when it, uh finally was available on demand or whatever in 2016, I think. Um, yeah, roughly. I'll find yeah. Out. So, uh, I really have been meaning to rewatch it again because like I said, it just keeps coming up in conversation. Um, but in terms of the prequel and, uh, Anna Taylor joy being cast as the young Furiosa, um, I think she's absolutely incredible. Her body of work thus far, like she has such a range in what she can do. Uh, my personal favorite is her in The Witch. Um, I just started watching that recently. I absolutely loved it. Uh, so uh, It's a 2015 film, by the way. Yep. Put it out yes. there. Um, it feels like it should have. It feels like it's sooner than that, but also further away than that. Time and pandemic just doesn't fucking exist. Yeah, time really doesn't mean anything because uh, I was just talking about the... Um, the other uh, movie that got a lot of review, reviews, It Follows, um, yeah. I could have sworn that came out in like 2018 or like just, I don't know, within the last year or two. No, that was uh, 2014, right? Yeah, or, yeah I, I didn't love that. Same year as The Guest. I, I really could have sworn it was like two years old. With, oh, yeah, The Guest was your pick last week. That's right. It was, yeah. Going with like weird, like indie ish 
for this for this month. I think. Yeah, that's, why that's not, the dude? It's it's the way to be. I've run out of movies. That's the two I know. You can't just keep recommending Parks and Rec and Phoenix every week. So you know, hey. I mean, I'll try. Yeah, you all you often succeed. But yeah, so I mean, what do you think? Of, uh, so you were saying about Andrew Taylor, like. You know, Charlize Theron gave such a definitive performance. Absolutely, yes. Um, is, do you think? No, I, I don't. I don't I'm not taking anything away from her. You know, Anna Joy Taylor as an actress, but do you think? Do you think this is able? To, you can recreate something like this. Uh, you know, recreate. A, you can put your own stamp on this, or is it just going? Is this a big uphill battle for an actress who we've seen is is incredibly talented? Yeah, I would. I definitely feel like this role is going to come with a lot of expectations and a, a lot to live up to, especially for a young actress, um, you know, working in her favor. Like it is a prequel. It is going to be something that is going to be the building up of the character that we now know as Furiosa. And so that's going to give liberties for things to maybe, um, you know, be a bit different than what we imagine because events are going to have to happen to lead her to become who she was in Mad Max Fury Road. Um, in terms of, you know, whether she's up to stuff in like comparing to like Charlize Theron and the role that she played, I really think so because I, I think that she has um, such a, I, I feel like she has such a way to like, um, direct her emotions as an actress. I, I think that she's very sharp and very witty, uh, but also can be incredibly serious. And um, she, her eyes are like probably one of like the, the physical features that um, draw me to her. And I think that, that alone, just like her presence, I think she can definitely build a story for Furiosa, like a young Furiosa. Yeah, and that's it, it's. I like the fact you mentioned the eyes because remember, Furiosa was just like the iconic shot of her was the black across the, mm -hmm. the forehead and the eyes, and the eyes just pop so much. Yeah, Al, Al, you've you've loved this movie from the jump. What do you think of uh, you know what I asked Kelly about the casting, especially with Anna Joy Taylor stepping into the role of that Charlize Theron made so famous? The casting is. I mean perfection i think um anna taylor joy um oh is sorry right right next to uh what's her name is floor oh, the girl from midsummer i always get the name florence pew mm -hmm. florence pew i think she's like getting to her status in terms of just like like breaking out as like indie darling to like make more of the mainstream right she's getting she's kind of like getting into these different realms whether it was like new mutants and like things like that like she's becoming like super super famous and i think this is 100 the right call and it's gonna like take her career to the stratosphere just like you know or, you know not that charlie Theron wasn't already one of the biggest actors in the world but like furiosa just another just iconic role in her in her resume the only thing is i'm a little upset that she's not involved in any way i was hoping for some sort of like dual role flashback kind of thing. That's what I was kind of banking on when they announced that they wanted to do something with her character. I knew I knew it wouldn't have been a sequel. It was always going to be a prequel in my mind. 
So we were always going to get a younger version of her. I just wish that she was involved in some way because she, again, that was an iconic portrayal. And I, I'd love to see what else she could have done with that role. But I'm, I'm super happy with the casting. Again, Anna Joy is upcoming big actress that's going to be in genre for a long time. And then uh, I'll watch anything with Chris Hemsworth. Like, legitimately. And, and I'll add um, uh, Yaya to the next two. I'll watch anything that he's in. He's fantastic in everything. Whether he's playing uh, Black Manta or, uh, spoilers, Dr. Manhattan. Like, I'm in. Mm-hmm. I uh, Yes, I apologize to those listening. It's Anya Taylor-Joy, not I, Anya Joy Taylor. I apologize for that. Anya. I just miss, I am a little dyslexic sometimes when it comes to names. Uh, I will be a little of a contrarian in the casting of Chris Hemsworth because I haven't loved a lot of what he's done outside of Thor. Uh, so I'm just like, okay. I, I can't name something. I'm like, oh, you know what? Chris Hemsworth was really good outside of Ghostbusters. Where he, he was, was legitimately very, the best part of Ghostbusters. He was very funny. Oh, it's sad. You know, it's it's if you watch the FX version of that, there's a lot of really good scenes that were cut that ended that uh, they edited into the TV version that ties a lot better into that film uh, and would have made a better film in my opinion because it establishes way much more plot and relation and uh, chemistry, especially between Kristen Wiig and Melissa McCarthy. Anyway, not a Ghostbusters podcast, but. Which I did host one time, completely hammered, had not seen the movie, and just asked questions. No, that was Suicide Squad. Sorry. I did that. Oh, that's <laughs> that, actually a bad movie. That's a bad movie that I was just like, ah, I don't know, Dan Cohen, just yell at me. Here we go. Uh, but Yaya Abdul-Mateen II, like his casting, he he's excellent. He is. I mean, Kelly, did you watch Watchmen? Yes. What was your opinion of Watchmen? Because we've we asked pretty much anyone if you've seen Watchmen, just put it over how great it was. Um, it just absolutely blew my mind. Incredible, just from the costume design alone, and just the way that it was shot, and the lighting, and like the the expertise of like you can get into like the racial dynamics of uh, people applauded the fact that they were able to shoot black characters in costume and have them lit correctly and just um, highlighted to in the exact way that they always should be. So that were, you know, it's credit. It it did that so incredibly well. Um, But overall, I just, I thought it was a great expansion on the story and it was um, something that like, you know, for those who didn't love the movie and for those who like kind of liked it, like, you know, I was 50 50 on the movie. I had a great time going to see it in theaters. Uh, but this blew me away in terms of what I was expecting for a series. Yeah. So for me, watching this and just to hear watching that series, hearing he's involved in it, I'm just like, yes, 100%. Like I said, a little trepidatious on Hemsworth because I haven't seen outside of Ghostbusters and Thor. It's just like haven't loved him, haven't loved him, and be like, oh, I can I can see how great he is in this or that. Um, that's just my opinion. I know I'm probably the minority on that, but uh, Anya Taylor Joy, yes, got it right this time. Sorry. Um, yes. To me, I mean, if you're gonna cast someone who's gonna be young. 
Charlize Theron. I think it's a perfect casting choice here. She's great. Uh, of what I've seen of The Witch, she has she was phenomenal in that, and I just think it's a great role. I wouldn't be surprised if Charlize Theron, Al, to your point, if she had a, a smaller like a smaller role, a cameo. But I, I mean, I would have loved to have seen that dynamic. But ultimately, this is going to be kind of a tragedy because we still, you know, you're thinking you're going to see have to see how Furiosa loses her arm, how she becomes, you know, kind of a subject of a Morton Joe, uh, which I'm wondering if that's what Hemsworth is going to be somehow. He's going to be in Morton Joe, the younger Morton Joe. He needs to play a villain, man. He does. He'd be great as a villain. Oh, fuck it. That's what he's great in. When he's a villain. Um, wait, hold on. It's going to come to me. Um, this is really great for an audio podcast. Wait, sorry. Go, keep going. I got to say the movie. Okay. So, yeah. So if he's a Morton Joe, that's a very interesting casting role. Um, yeah, I think I think if you pick the right person for yes, bad bad times at the El Royale. Did not see, didn't see it so, but shock of shocks, yeah. I haven't seen a movie. It is like a it is a one hundred percent like a Bill Bodkin. I know it's just love that movie. yeah. Welcome to the last five years of my life, missing try, movies that are built for me. Try to find it on streaming. And, well, it and, should uh, be you through Kelly. HBO. I mean, that's where it was. Oh yeah, it might be on there. Kelly, I, uh, Tucker and Dale is not available on any, on any free streaming service at the moment. You can rent it on Prime. I didn't like before, uh, but I, I I implore you. I even if you have to order it, even if you have to order it on Amazon or something, do it. I'm all good. What is it going to be like? Two dollars to rent? Three dollars? I wonder if it's on you Shutter would. though, I'll because I could see that. I could see Tucker and Dale on Shutter. Check yeah, it. Yeah, it just might be like a, It might be in that like weird streaming window. It's weird that we're in an age where not. Everything is available on one of the platforms. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I know so. there's so much things, so many things, as what I should be saying. I know there's so many movies that have been made and shows, but there's so many that are still in limbo. Like you know, they, they don't have a permanent. No, no, none of these movies have like permanent homes. They're always no. moving. And they all have these like weird contracts of like, ah, you're on here for like six months, and then you go to another platform. Like, I think that's going to be something that's going to happen in the next couple of years, it's like, these movies are going to start finding permanent, and shows permanent homes. Well, because yeah. you're also going to get stuff like, I mean, in Disney Plus, you're going to get everything that Disney is, that wasn't farmed out to other platforms, is going to just, you know, come, it's going to stay on that one platform. What people don't understand when they see these deals of like, yeah, Seinfeld's coming to Hulu for $100 million. That's for like, three years. Yeah. And then it moves to another, like, that's so crazy that that, yeah, I don't like think when friends be- move to, you know, HBO Max, you know, yeah. uh, instead of Peacock, you know, that's mm-hmm. for a reason. Uh, but yeah, I think this, this Mad Max sequel, the Furiosa movie, I think this is going to be however it's developed or wherever it goes through. I feel like this is going to be a big movie. I mean, Mad Max Fury Road made a shitload of money. I don't think it's ever going to come out. That's my big problem. Because George Miller is like 76 now. When he actually starts filming this movie, he'll be what, like 78? Seven. Like, I'm scared he might die on the set of this movie because I don't I don't know how a person could have survived the last movie. 
that movie was in development hell for a long time and he finally got made and it took like, like four years to come out like because of all the um special effects and um the actual shoot was like record breaking right at the time of like how long it took to actually film the movie you don't think that he's gonna just go through that same experience again i, I think we might it might be a while until we actually see this movie I, yeah, but you know what? If I'm a studio and that movie was nominated for Best Picture and it made as much money as it did, I'm going to make sure it happens. Remember, you know, Mad Max 2 did not take a crazy amount of time and Mad Max and, and Road Warrior did not take, sorry, Road Warrior and Beyond Thunderdome didn't take that long consecutively to get done. Obviously, a little bit of a different time, but... A little bit. You know, that was 30 plus years ago and Tina Turner sang a song about it, but I just think like now WWE has co-opted the term Thunderdome, but you know, I think that I think you're right. I think with the success of the last one and I believe with the amount of money that the studio is going to throw at it to make it happen and then probably end up on a platform anyway. Also, Australia and New Zealand. Did a really good job with COVID, so that's true. Maybe, maybe they can start filming like as soon as possible. And like, I think they just have to go to Chris Hemsworth's backyard. I think to, to film it. He literally owns Australia. I think that's right. Well, that's he hasn't fantastic. finished the Hulk Hogan movie yet, supposedly. Oh yeah, I about that. I'll be there opening day. It's crazy, and we talked. I talked about this. I think the last episode, of the episode before, was like. We are going to just be blessed with so much content that was supposed to come out this year in 2021. We're just going to get like bombarded with movies and shows and everything. And like, it's just like a, like, just a backup of everything we missed this year. And we're going to, like, every week, we're going to just get like three movies that come out. And we're like, shit, what do we watch? Oh, I just have to subscribe to like 10 streaming services to get it. Awesome. I'm in. That whole Togo movie, I'm, I'm in. Obviously. Well, I mean, obviously, I'm in. Um, so that's the episode for this week. We close out on that. Before we get to our plugs, I got to ask, Kelly, what are you going to be for Halloween this year? Um, Just a, a generic uh, Bram Stoker uh, vampire style human being like I am in real life. Because you're, really rocking, you're rocking some pretty interesting earrings there on this podcast. They are uh, crescent moons with cats sitting on them. Oh, man. If I tell my daughter about that, she'd be like, can I pierce my ears? I'm like, you're <laughs> going to hate the process. You really will. Um, so you're going to be a generic human who will be feasted upon by Gary Oldman. Okay. Yes, which is fine. Ooh, hey, Manx coming out in December. Yeah. Oh, can't that wait. Was gonna, that, that could have been. Uh, was that the glimmer of hope last week? Bank no, trailer? no, months ago. No, the trailer was the trailer. We didn't talk about the trailer, but we talked about the fact this film existed uh, a few yeah, weeks ago. Right. The like, trailer. Um, the two trailers. We got two breathtaking trailers. That would be mm-hmm. very, and, very uh, good stuff. And Sorkin, Sorkin has seen it. I heard on a podcast. He said he he like praised praised movie because uh Fincher's dad wrote it yeah Fincher's dad wrote it exactly I would hate to see what my dad would write the way he shot it was like he said it was great 
he was great even for like a Fincher like a Fincher movie's already great, it's like to a different degree. So I'm pretty excited for it. Well we'll see if the Oscars exist this year. But that There's should like three that, movies nominated. Uh Al, what are you gonna be for Halloween this year? And more importantly, what is Parker gonna be for Halloween Dude, this year? Listen, we are still deciding. We talked about we talked about it off the podcast last week that I was we were contemplating being Shit's Creek and having him be David. That's true. I think that'd be the cutest shit ever. And like, you do have I the mean, hair for it though. I do, right? I was gonna say, like, I actually wanted to be um, um, a Roland, and Megan was gonna be uh, Alexis, and then I think we were gonna try to dress Hops as Moira. <laughs> yes, oh like God. it would be, it would be amazing. I just don't think we have the time, money, or energy to do it. I think and your mother-in-law would wife, work okay as Moira. Yeah, true. I just suggested to, to my wife over text, and I think she's sleeping anyway. She'll, she'll see it in the morning. I said, what if we were the family from Bluey? I think that would be like the easiest costume ever, right? Dude, wait till your kid decide, has a voice and can decide what they what they do and oh, do want to be. It's going to be down to the wire. High experience. If, if I've like done my job, he'll want to be a different Spider-Man every year, and that is okay with me. I'll start dressing up as well. He was Spider Ham his first year, he was. barely his first year, I should say. Oh yeah, like I think exactly. he, was, I think he was like popped out the womb, and they're like, "Put a Spider Ham costume on. We're going to San Diego Comic Con." <laughs> he tried to eat the nose. It was like, yeah, I, I mean, if it was made of bacon, why not? Um, so you might be, you might be Bandit Healer. Or you're going to be someone, you're going to be Chris Elliott, which is a hell of a difference. Sophie this year is going to be Poison Ivy, because she saw DC, she originally was going to be one of the characters from Descendants, that popular YA Disney series, Uh, but she saw DC Superhero Girls, the cartoon, and was like, Poison Ivy seems cool, so she's going to do that. Uh, She wants me to possibly be a taco this year, so I may be a taco. Or I'm a shark. Maybe I'll be a shark taco. Who knows? Uh, either way, my my adventure, my costume will be more creative than my wife's, who will be, I'm putting on a witch hat. I'm an attorney. I make a lot of money. Give me a break. Um, so good. We know we're going to be for Halloween this year. Um, let's hope we have Halloween this year, too. That's my other thing. Sure. Yeah. Don't think I'm not te- checking the New Jersey government website every day about that. Um so, Kelly, where can people find you on the internet promoting independent film, talking about rad stuff, uh, being uh, one of my favorite people to follow because you have, you follow a lot of great um, political and social uh, sites and, and profiles. I'm not going to talk politics now. Don't worry. Um, so uh, where can people follow you online? If you want so, people to follow you yeah. online. Um, You're like, no, please don't. (laughs) I mean, it's at your own risk. Um, So I am on Instagram and Twitter um, of variations of the handle Manic Pixie Scream Girl. You can just try typing it in and you'll figure it out. It's a little bit different on each platform. (laughs) If you really want to follow follow Kelly, which you should, try. Just try. You'll find it. Um, Alfred, my favorite butler, 
Uh, where can people find you on social media? Uh, you can find me at J-O-M-A-N-N-A-R-I-N-O at Al Manorino on the Twitters and the Instagrams. Um, verified on Twitter. Verified on Twitter for no reason. And oh. then uh, Instagram, I'm going to be start promoting uh, a little production company I do called Parker Productions, which is named after my son. And uh, you know, we're like an event uh, photography and videography services. So you'll be seeing some wedding photos that we just did, and that would be great. And uh, took pictures of a, a twin's baptism, which was interesting. Two babies at the same time. That was fun. So cute. Adorable. So oh, man, I miss music. I miss music so much. Concert <laughs> sleep come back. So Italian, so Catholic. Al Manorino, everybody. Uh, for me personally, you can find me on Twitter at BodkinWrites, W-R-I-T-E-S, where I just scream into the void of the internet about politics. And I talk a lot about wrestling because that's what I do. Um, but most importantly, what I want you to check out every single day, thepopbreak.com. It's not just me. Uh, we've been doing this for 11 years. It's not just me. It's people like Al. It's a lot of great writers, a lot of great ideas that are happening on that site. Talking about TV, talking about film, talking about music, talking about comic books, talking about pro wrestling. It's 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 awesome. Please go check the check these writers out. They they pour so much of their lives into this into their writing. I'm so proud of them. Uh, check out the socially distanced podcast. It drops every single Friday, sometimes Saturday. Um, on Spotify, on Anchor, on Google Podcasts, on Apple Podcasts. We have 30 episodes of this damn podcast. Please check it out. Al and I don't listen to it because we hate listening to ourselves. Um, and sometimes some of us are inebriated. Well, I was once, and Al's been a few times. Well, I've been a few times. Al's been a few times. We're pretty much equal. Even Steven on that part. No, I think we're even. Um, is, uh, you know, check us out there. Of course, check out Pop Break TV. You can find that on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, where we have such shows as Pop Break TV, which I'm a, I am a regular guest on, on Goodbye to All That, where we talk about season finales and series finales, uh, Live, Laugh, and Lovey, which talks about uh, reality television shows and Ghost, uh, no, is it Power Book 2 Ghost, new series on Stars. Uh, we also have the Anniversary Brothers, which talks about uh, TV anniversaries. Also, check out our other podcast uh, feed, The Breakcast, which is on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts, where we have uh, wrestling podcasts and movie podcasts and whatnot. And then finally, on Spotify, Apple, Google, and Anchor Podcasts, we have, and the winner still is, which is our retrospective Oscar podcast series. Follow us on Twitter at popbreak.com forward slash popbreak.com, all spelled out on Facebook and at the Popbreak on Instagram. So, from Kelly McGovern, who hopefully will not fade into the ether on the Black Lodge, for Al Manorino, who I hope makes it to Friday, and for Bill Bodkin, thank you so much for joining us on the 30th episode of the Socially Distanced Podcast. <laughs>